You know, uh, one, of the, one of the things I've become increasingly convinced of with every passing year is that following Jesus is not that difficult, but life is. <laughs> like with, every, with every passing year, it's like, I, I don't think following Jesus is, is really all that complicated, but man, our lives are really complicated. Our hearts are complicated. Our marriages are complicated. Parenting is complicated. Our circumstances are complicated. Following Jesus is, is often really kind of simple, but, but the context for which we try to follow Jesus in sometimes just feels impossibly complicated. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll take the complexity of our lives and we'll allow the complexity of our lives to blur our vision for what it means to follow Jesus. And I think, I think following Jesus, day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year after year, decade after decade, if I had to boil it down, if I had to make it overly simple, I would say following Jesus boils down to this. It's you and I and us communally making the choice that we're gonna give our whole lives to hearing and obeying, to hearing and obeying the word of the Lord quickly, completely, communally, and joyfully. <laughs> like if you have to think like, like how in the midst of this really complicated life, complicated circumstances, complicated marriages, complicated friend groups, complicated this, complicated, like how do we follow Jesus simply? We keep putting ourselves at the feet of the Lord, going, hey, we believe you're real, we believe you actually speak, we believe you're really moving, and we, we don't just wanna hear your voice, we wanna obey your voice quickly, completely, communally, and joyfully. And over and over and over, we just keep coming to the, the Lord going, hey God, we, we think you really wanna speak to us. You know, I love the words of Luke chapter 11, verse 28, it'll be up on the screen. Jesus gets done preaching this epic sermon. And towards the end of the sermon, this woman shouts out, if you've been around Ethos, I quote this verse like every other week, you know, but this woman shouts out after the end of Jesus' sermon, she's like, bless the woman that gave birth to you. Like, I would just love one Sunday to be preaching and somebody to bless Sharon Clayton. Like if somebody <laughs> would stand up and bless my mother, she would love it. Um, I would love it. But this, this, this woman stands up and blesses Jesus in the middle of the sermon, and I love how Jesus responds in, uh, in Luke 11, verse 28. What does he say? He goes, now, I'll tell you, here's the person that's blessed. The person who hears my word and what? Come on, shout it out. You can help me out. I know it's cloudy outside. It's 9 a.m. Who hears my word and uh, obeys it. Obeys it. Like, like the, the, the essence, I believe, of Simple life with Christ in the middle of complicated world that we live in is how do we hear and how do we obey the word of the Lord quickly, completely, communally, and joyfully? This is what I love about John chapter 10. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. In John, John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, and I'll just read a few excerpts. Look at verse 10 with me. He says, the enemy, he goes, the enemy or the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So everything good God wants to do in your life, the enemy has come to steal it, to kill it, and to destroy it. But what does Jesus say? This is like one of Jesus' grand mission statements. He says, but I have come that what? They may have life. And life to the full. They may have life, they may have life to the full. Jump down to verse 14, he goes, I'm the good shepherd. 
goes, I know my sheep, and, and my sheep, what? They, they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jump down to verse 27. He goes, my sheep, what? They listen to my voice. As my voice just cracked. I said that, my voice just cracked. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I love this. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. Keep going. My Father, he has given them to me. He is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are what? Are one. I believe in the midst of a really complicated life, following Jesus really boils down to, like, man, what does it look like to make space to hear his voice? Not just to hear his voice, though, but to obey whatever it is that he tells us quickly, completely, communally, and joyfully. I remember Sydney and I, we sort of stumbled into this life hack a couple of years into our marriage. We thought, man, if we're gonna really follow the Lord, we're gonna have to consistently look for opportunities to escape the noise of life to hear the voice of the Lord together. And I don't know if you've ever felt this, but just like in, in, the, in the rat race, in all the hustle, in all the grind, in all the busyness, Man, it can be really tough to know what God's trying to say to you in the midst of every day. And so, you know, every day we were trying to prioritize the voice of the Lord. Every week on our Sabbath, we were trying to prioritize the voice of the Lord. But we decided, hey, a couple times a year, we're just gonna get away. We're gonna escape the noise so we can hear the voice of the Lord again. And so twice a year, we try to get away on these prayer retreats. And God, what do you have for us? We just put our life back before the Lord. Hey, what do you have? What, what do you wanna say? Jesus, where are you leading? What's your word for us? in this season. And guys, it's, it's amazing the way the living God meets you in the middle of your messy life. And sometimes he comes with pretty drastic words. I remember there's seasons where we've come back from our prayer retreats and it's like, hey, the Lord told us to sell our house. We don't know why. We don't know where we're going. Some of you are here in that season. We're gonna sell our house and we're supposed to travel to global countries and we don't know when we're coming back or why we're going. And everybody, including our parents, are freaking out, but we're back, we're here. And it's just like one of those seasons where we go, okay, the Lord, when you speak, we wanna obey quickly, completely, communally, joyfully, because we believe that's where the good life is found. You hear his voice, you obey, you put it into practice. And then there's been other seasons where we get away with the Lord and just kind of subtle, simple, hey, this is the direction you're already moving. Keep pressing in, keep going deeper, keep going further. And this is something that we do in our family. We escape the noise so we can hear the voice of the Father. And it's something we try to practice as a church family. Every week as our intercessors gather to pray. Every month as we fast together. Every year as we slow down and we stop and we seek the face of the Lord in the months of February and November together. Our, our staff gets away to seek the voice of the Lord. Our elders get away to seek the voice of the Lord. Our prayer teams get away to seek the voice of the Lord. Our house churches seek the voice of the Lord. And, and together we're going, okay, God, what are you saying to us in this season? And what does it look like to obey you quickly, completely, communally, joyfully? Like, how do we begin to lean into that? And so, you know, over, over the last, uh, really, year and a half or so, we've, we've been seeking the Lord, and we've sensed communally the Lord is giving us some directives to lean into as we come into the next couple of years. And I just wanna kind of say this on the front end this morning so you can sort of posture your heart, like, as you're listening. 
Um, this morning, the goal of this is I just want to share four words, four directives that we sense the Lord is giving us communally to prioritize in the next couple of years. And these words are not all-encompassing. So there's gonna be a lot of things that we're gonna do as a church over the next couple of years that I'm not gonna talk about this morning. But these are four things that we're really sensing God is saying, hey, give extra attention, extra energy to as we come in to the next couple of years together. So uh, one, it's not all-encompassing. Um, two, uh, I don't think there's gonna be any big like mic drop surprise like at the end. Like some of you are sitting here and it's like, I wonder if they're moving to Saudi Arabia. Like, you know, are we moving the church from downtown, you know, out to Spring Hill and building a mega building? Like, I don't think there's any big surprise this morning. I think if you've been journeying with this, you'll go, hey, the Lord's been moving us. Now, how do we go deeper, further, faster? And I think you'll just kind of see this is the flow that we've been in. Um, kind of a third thing that I wanna say on the front end this morning is there's not gonna be a huge call to action. We're not gonna like open up all the doors and have a bunch of people ready to like jump in a group and do this. And the, the action this morning is how do we come in alignment under the word of the Lord and then give ourselves wholeheartedly together into this, into the future. I believe language matters, words create worlds. And so there's something important about a family, a shared family just having some words together. Does it make sense? So, little amen from the train conductor there. So, um, so four words. Come on, bro, that was long. <laughs> four, four, four words that, that our elders and our staff and our intercessors and uh, so many of you have just been leaning into it this, as we come to this next season. And I think it's a prioritize. The, the, the first one is this. We really sense Jesus in this next season is calling us to become a people that enjoy his presence more deeply than we ever have. To be, to be a people that are marked by the enjoyment of the presence of the Lord. And, and maybe that sounds very really obvious, but I'm just telling you, you can go into any church, including ours on many Sundays, all across the city and find a whole lot of people that are far more passionate about the Titans than they are about the Lord. Far more passionate about their romantic relationships than they are the Lord. There's a lot of people that know how to give themselves wholeheartedly to lots of things, then we come with half of our energy, half our attention, half of our affection, and half of our love to the Lord. And as we, we come into this, this next season, one of the things that we just sense the Lord is, is calling us to do is to, to be a people that are consistently prioritizing unhurried moments in the presence of Jesus. Remember years ago, Brandon Steele and I, one of our pastors, he and I had gone out to California to meet with uh, this amazing uh, church planter leader um, that I had admired from a distance for a long time. And we were getting ready to start making disciples and planting churches and we knew we wanted to learn from others. And I remember we flew out there, we rented a car, we drove two hours to come meet with this guy. We, we took him to this cheap Mexican restaurant not far from the place where he was a pastor and I had my journal out and I was ready to just lap in his wisdom. And I said, okay, I said, when you're thinking about what God is doing, when you're thinking about the types of leaders you wanna raise up and send out, what types of people are you looking for? And I was expecting a list of you know, 10 characteristics and all these things. And he said, it all boils down to one thing. I look for a man or I look for a woman that has cultivated a life of enjoying Jesus. That's it. I was like, bro, you could have just texted that to us. <laughs> but I sat with it for like 11 years or 12 years. That, that, that the mark 
The mark of the people of God is it's not just what we do for Jesus and not just what we try to do in the city and not just how we serve. The, the mark of God's people are, are people who yearn for, long for, stirred by the very presence of Jesus. And one of the things that, that, that we really sense Jesus inviting us to lean into in this next season is to, to become a people who are cultivating the taste buds of our soul to feast on the very real presence of the living God. Like that's the, the thing that you were made for, whether you realize it or not. I love that moment in Exodus 33, you know, where Moses, the people just screwed things up and God said, okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna keep my promise. I'm gonna give you the land. I'm gonna send an angel to protect you and meet all of your needs. Moses, you can keep leading the people, but he says, my presence won't go with you. And there's this, this moment where Moses goes, hey, Lord, if we have everything in life, but we don't have you, we don't have the source of life. I love this moment in Exodus chapter 33, look at verse 15, then Moses, he gets in the tent of presence, he gets in the quiet place of the Lord, and he says, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us from here. He goes, how else will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people, verse 16, unless you go with us? How will they know that you're pleased with us? Unless you go with us, what else will distinguish us from all the other people on the face of the planet but the manifest presence of God? Moses goes, here's what we want. I go, here's the challenge. I think a lot of Christians, a lot of churchgoers in America, we have cultivated the taste buds of our hearts for lesser things. And you were made to, to feast and to sit in the presence of the Lord with no agenda, with no rush, and we go, man, God, as we come into this next season, how do we turn up the heat? How do we become a people that are learning to enjoy the presence of the Lord? I love, I love the story of Martha and Mary. Look at Luke chapter 10, it'll be on the screen. Some of you know this, you know, Jesus shows up at their house, Martha is cooking this amazing meal. She's doing all this great work for Jesus, and Mary's just in there chilling at Jesus' feet, and Martha's not happy about it. She's like, hey, Jesus, can you tell my sister to get up and help me out? I love Jesus' response. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Something our elders and our team and so many of us have been wrestling with, our intercessors in this season, is in a world that is run by Martha's, how do we live like Mary's? In a world that rewards the hustle. In a world where busyness is the fruit of achievement, it's the badge of honor. How do we slow things down as a church family to really enjoy the presence of the Lord? And this morning, the goal is not to get in all the details of how this is gonna work and what it's gonna look like. We're gonna take the next couple of years to do that but just so you just begin to get your, your mind around it, I go, I believe God has so much more in store for us than rushing in this room 10 minutes late, leaving 10 minutes early, hearing a couple of songs, cramming in a spiritual vitamin for the week, and then going right back out into the hustle of the world. I believe you've been made to sit, to dwell, to rest, to be marked by the living presence of the living God. And in a world where all of us know how to hustle and strive and, and burn the candle at both ends, I believe Jesus is saying, hey, I'm inviting you to a fundamentally different way 
of life, to become a people that enjoys presence. I don't know what the best meal you've ever eaten in your life is. It'd be hard. You know, some of you are like, well, what are the qualifications? You know, the best fast food meal? But no, it's like, don't do that to me. Like, like I don't know what the best meal of your life would be. Uh, one of my favorite meals would be uh, when Sydney and I um, were in Italy. Her parents took us years ago before we had kids. And I remember this one night we were in Florence. And I guess all the food just tastes better when you're in Italy. Uh, probably goes with it. But I remember this one night we walk up to this restaurant outside of the city. And we get there at like 7 o'clock for dinner. And they inform us that they weren't opening for like another hour and a half because it's Europe and everybody eats at midnight, you know. And so here we were, like these hungry Americans waiting on this meal, but they opened up and we sit down and we were expecting that restaurant to work like an American restaurant, you know. Here's your food and it's gonna come fast and then they're gonna get you out of here for the next table. And I'm just telling you, there was nothing about this waiter that was in a hurry. <laughs> and it was like one drink at a time, they may come back in an hour, who knows one course at a time, and it was weird. At first, our souls were kind of frantic. It's like, come on, when's the food gonna come? But eventually, we just started realizing, wait, where else do we have to be? <laughs> and who else do we have to be with? And what else do we wanna do? And, and when our souls began to untangle in the gift of presence, oh my goodness, everything began to unfold. And I just believe the Lord has some stuff on the table for us. It's just not gonna come neatly crammed into <laughs> your calendar, neatly crammed into a Sunday worship gathering. And as we look out over the next couple of years, if we could fast forward into the future, I hope when people describe ethos, they go, man, that's a group of people that are living slowly and deeply and abundantly and wholeheartedly as they feast on the presence of the Lord. And one of the things that we're gonna prioritize over and over in this season is space to enjoy the presence. The second word that we've sensed the Lord giving us is not just about enjoying his presence, but it's about flipping our focus. About flipping our focus. I love 1 John chapter 2, verse six. I love this John, one of the best friends of Jesus. He says, whoever claims to be in Christ must live as Jesus lived. Whoever claims to be in Christ must, must live as Jesus lived. And there's a, there's a lot of elements to living as Jesus lived. You know, his, his morality, his spirituality, his ethics, you know. But I think one of the things that we overlook is something that's so clearly in front of us on page after page after page. And here's what's stunning to me is Jesus, who is the fullness of God, the Son of God, filled by the Spirit of God, sent to earth to bring about the kingdom of God. He was never in a hurry anywhere. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Like in the Gospel of Mark, it's like Jesus healed this group of people and then he ran to the next village. He's walking, sleeping, taking his time. Everybody's like, Jesus, don't you know how big the mission is? He had this huge mission to redeem the whole earth. He had a small amount of time, 33 years. He had none of the modern technology. And so what does Jesus do? He doesn't write a book. He doesn't build a, a, a huge like, platform. He, he doesn't go viral in the way that we think about it. He gives the lion's share of his energy to 12 dysfunctional people. Either he was the craziest man that ever lived or his genius cannot be fathomed. Spoiler alert, I think he was a genius. 
Here we are 2,000 years later in a bar in downtown Nashville reflecting on the life of this Middle Eastern, nomadic, sort of homeless, itinerant preacher from the Middle East. One person likes Jesus. Man, (laughs) Christian, you and I are gonna start a church together. You and me forever, baby. Um, JK, you all love Jesus. We all do. I think in the big American world, it's just so easy. We, we, we get so sidetracked by big, excellent, flashy, shiny, powerful sort of things. And God just seems to love the small, insignificant, hidden, unnoticed sort of things. And Jesus' plan A for changing planet Earth is not just what happens in big, large settings, but it is a group of people wholeheartedly committed to the Lord, living that life out in small, relational, disciple-making environments. So what happened after Jesus returned to heaven, poured the Holy Spirit out on the early church. I want you to notice, they didn't give up the, they didn't give up the temple. They didn't give up large settings. Don't hear me say, we're not canceling Sundays next week. That's not what I'm saying. But what we're sensing as we come into this next season is that two years from now, three years from now, when you think about ethos, your primary top of mind thought will not just be a lot of people in a room sitting in rows, your face to their back, but your primary understanding of what it means to be a part of God's family will be you doing life in homes, around kitchen tables, in your apartment complexes, wherever you live, work, and play, slow, small, relational, life on life. And we believe this is the great genius of Jesus. But as American Christians, we're gonna have to let the Spirit of God flip our focus, (laughs) turn our world upside down. And if we claim to be in Jesus, then we're gonna have to live as Jesus lived by embracing the absurdity that small is the new large, slow is the new fast, and that deep roots produce abounding fruit, and that we don't chase the fruit, we cultivate the roots. And that God shows up in that. We believe one of the things that he's calling us to, like when we think about the next couple of years, is that all of us would understand it's fundamentally impossible to be a part of our church family if we're not walking in small relational disciple-making environments together because that's just who we are and who we're gonna be. And some of you are going, well, that's marked my experience so far. Praise God, That's, that's a huge part of who we've been. Enjoying his presence is a huge part of who we've been, but we've sensed the Lord as we saw his face saying, hey, go deeper, go further, ask for more. Guys, there is more on the table. Thank you, there's more for my voice after I drink this water too. Um, There's more on the table for every single one of us. And we sense the Lord is saying, hey, flip the focus. You're gonna begin changing the way that that you think about what it means to be the people of God. The third word that we have consistently heard in the secret place as a group of leaders interceding, praying for the church family. is not just about enjoying the presence, not just about flipping the focus. Number three, it's how do we raise the bar? How do we raise the bar on what it means to be a family living on mission with Jesus together? I love 1 Peter chapter two. Look at this, it's so beautiful. Peter's talking about this church And I love it, he goes, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Listen to this. In order that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I love this. Peter looks out at this, this little church that he's writing to, just like he's writing to us. And he goes, do you realize that Jesus did not die on the cross, raised from the dead, return to the right hand of the Father and pour out the Holy Spirit so you could spend all of your life giving the Lord an hour on Sundays and then managing your morality to the best of your ability the other six days of the week. He goes, you realize it is not God's grand vision for our lives that we sit quietly and passively feasting off the breadcrumbs of somebody else's quiet time. It's not God's vision that you'd sit in a room with strangers week after week after week, pretending to know each other's names, going, hey, what's up, man, how's it going? It's not his vision. He goes, do you realize what's happened in Christ? Peter is raising the bar. He goes, I, I want you to understand. He goes, you are chosen. You are royal, you are holy, you are special, and none of that is to be self-contained. All of these things have happened in order that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Peter's like, hey guys, do you understand the significance of what it means to be the family of God? And this is one of the things that we sense Jesus is inviting us to lean into as we come into this next season together. Guys, I, I say this with all the love in my heart. If you don't know me, I just give you a big hug right before I'd say this. Guys, I have no desire to be a part of a church that is less committed to Jesus and each other than CrossFitters are committed to working out and posting about it online. Like, it's not a knock on CrossFitters. CrossFitters just are, are, are more passionate about CrossFit than most Christians are about Christ. That's true. Most CrossFitters are more committed to their CrossFit community than Christians are committed to other Christians. I just don't wanna play that game. I don't wanna be that kind of church. I'm not accusing you of being that kind of church. I'm just saying God's got more on the table than casual, half-hearted Christianity. He goes, you've been chosen. You are royal, you are holy, you are special. God has put you in a family. He goes, once you were not a people, once you, he goes, look at what God has done that you might declare the praise of him who's called you out of darkness into his light. And we, we just go, man, as we come into the next couple of years, I think there's ground to take. I think God wants to teach us how to love each other more deeply than we love each other. I think God wants to teach us how to weep with each other and celebrate with each other and care for one another and walk with one another. I think he wants to raise the bar on our identity in Jesus, on our intimacy with one another and on our intentionalities we live on mission in the world. There's so many questions, but what, how? Like that's not for today. Today is how do we come into agreement and alignment under the word of the Lord as we come into this next season? What's it look like to enjoy his presence? What's it look like to flip the focus? What's it look like to raise the bar and what it means to be the family of God together? When we say, hey, we're a part of Christ's church, that should mean something to you. That should mean something to us. That should mean something in the world. And we believe the Lord's inviting us to go deeper there. Fourth word, that we've sensed the Lord is inviting us to lean into as we come in to this next season is we think Jesus is inviting us to unleash the potential. 
to unleash the potential. I don't think it's God's grand design for a lot of people to gather around the gifts of a few Christians. We really do believe that it is God's grand design to release and unleash every man, every woman, every child, every gift within the church and beyond the church for the glory of God, for the good of the world and the joy of his people. We believe there's no such thing as participants and spectators. Those on the sidelines and those, in the, uh, those on the field. We believe God has gifted you. God has made you. God has put things within each and every one of us to unleash for the good of the city and the glory of God and the good of people around us. I love Ephesians chapter two. This is the last scripture we'll look at this morning out of verse four. It says, because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy has made us alive with Christ. Even when we're dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. I love this. So then God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork or workmanship, or some of your Bibles say masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, you've heard me say this so many times, but I, I'm convinced that the two greatest days in a person's life is the day they were born and the day they discover why. And something amazing happens when you realize, man, God's put gifts in me. God has given me a ministry. One of my favorite moments of every year is in the month of November, we bring our church planners together from all over the world, and for three days we have this retreat and what I love about that room is everybody in that room, they are well aware of their gifts and they are well aware of where they've been called by God to steward those gifts for the glory of God and the good of those around them. Because I look around our church and it's like, man, we've got people in every nook and cranny of the city, like folks working in healthcare, in politics, working in the music industry, stay-at-home moms, college campuses, high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. We have mechanics, we have artists, we have accountants. We have people in every section of the city with gifts that have been given to you by the Lord. And I go, can you just imagine what would happen if in a couple of years from now, you walked in on Sunday and everybody said, hey, where are you a pastor? Where are you a pastor? Where are you a pastor? I'm a, I'm a pastor at HCA. I'm a pastor in Bordeaux. I'm a pastor in my elementary school. I'm a, I'm a missionary in this space or this space or this space or this space. What would happen if the Lord would just unleash every single gift? We think we'd see the Lord awaken a movement. And as we come into the next couple of years together, we just since the Lord is saying, hey guys, it is time to double down. To become a people that enjoy the presence, that have turned our focus right side up to align with the ways that Jesus sees, to raise the bar and what it means to be a family living on mission, and then to unleash that potential for the glory of God into the good of the world. And you know, one of the things that's come up, and I'm not gonna, I don't have time to preach on this this morning, but I'll end here as we get ready to receive communion and pray together and worship as we try to sit under these words together. You know, as we've prayed into this as leaders, we've sensed kind of two rising things in our hearts over the last couple of years, and that is both urgency and opportunity. We've sensed that the moment we're living in, 
um, has a lot of gospel urgency to it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't sense the world's getting any better or any easier. But with that comes all kinds of gospel opportunity. And we sense that as Jesus is leading us into these kind of four directives together, he's gonna do two things in us and through us. The first is he's gonna develop a faith that is able to persevere even in hard times. We believe as we learn to prioritize his presence, as we prioritize discipleship in small groups, we, we believe as we uh, raise the bar in what it means to be the people of God together, as we unleash all of the gifts, we believe those things will give us the ability to have a resilient, persevering faith, come hell or high water, no matter what lies in front of us. So we think part of walking in obedience will produce perseverance. But sort of the second thing is we believe that walking in obedience will, will produce potency in us as the people of God. And there will be a durability and there will be a strength and there will be a beauty and there will be a life that the world is hungry for. Guys, I don't think the church is looking for a group of people that are marginally committed to Jesus and just slightly more moral than them. The, church is at, the world is asking big questions and they're looking for people that have abandoned themselves wholeheartedly to a different way and to a different one for a different reason. It'll be the Lord saying, hey, come on in. And so here's what we're gonna do this morning. I know this is kind of different, you know, not a traditional sermon time. But we're gonna, we're gonna come to the table of grace as we do every week and we're gonna receive the bread and we're gonna receive the, uh, the juice. We're gonna take the body and we're gonna take the blood of Christ. And we're gonna circle our chairs up as we do every week. We're gonna confess sins as we do every week. And I just wanna ask us one simple thing as we pray together communally. Uh, communally. Hey Lord, would you help us to hear your words for our church family in this season? Help us to hear and then help us to come under those words in obedience, quickly, completely, communally, and joyfully, even as we walk these things out steadily together over the coming year. So let's stand together. I wanna pray over us as we get ready to come forward and receive communion. Father, we love you. We, we thank you for the way that you speak. God, I thank you for every prophetic word that you've given us over the last 18 months. I thank you for every word of scripture. We thank you for every nudge, every dream, every vision. God, we thank you for the way that you've been speaking through all of the parts of our, our church family. And Lord, this morning, we just humbly put these things before you and say, Lord, we believe this is what you said. God, anything this morning that was said that was from you, Lord, would you let it take root in our hearts, and God, over time, would you let it produce great fruit? God, would you show us how to slowly and steadily and wholeheartedly and joyfully and communally live these things out together? God, bring these words to life in us for the sake of those that are around us. God, this morning, would, would you give us a, a joyful resilience? Would you help us to be a persevering people walking in the potency of the gospel, God, for the good of those that are around us. And so, Lord, as we, as we come to you this morning, as we break the bread, as we receive the cup, Lord, we, we recognize that all of this just comes, Jesus, because as we cling to the foot of the cross, as you make us new, as you forgive us of sin, God, you've made a, a space at the great wedding feast for each of us. 
And so, Lord, this morning, we, we, we come under the covering of the blood of Jesus, grateful that you would speak to people like us. And so, Lord, help us to move in faith. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray and give thanks. Amen.